What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. The IPOs you want are not the IPOs that you are going to get. It is Thursday, February 1st. Welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Mark Gilbert with Deirdre Bosa. Hello, D. Hey, Gilbert. Now, this is a story we've been talking about for months, actually. We wanted to do it, and today was kind of the perfect time because we had a new listing. Amr, do you wear, are you an Arcteryx person? I'm not a big Arcteryx person, but I, of course, have a uh, TikTok obsession. So I've seen sort of the all the memes about everyone and their favorite waterproof Arcteryx clothing. Well, you know, let me tell you, I spent a lot of time in Whistler over the pandemic and Arcteryx is alive and well. <laughs> it's like there the coolest. Yeah, it's like the coolest sort of like luxury waterproof jacket. I live in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's like the it's like the jacket. cool kids, cool yeah. kids, um, snow jacket, ski jacket, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah I'm still wearing like, a, I'm still wearing a North Face that I bought when I was uh, maybe like 18, 17. <laughs> You know what um, my my eight-year-old does now, which I thought was great? He puts a hockey jersey over his ski jacket, which is hilarious to me because I love we did that. that like as kids, and yeah. it's kind of back. So he he wore a Canucks jersey. Over you know what he's got to do is, uh, is uh, you spray uh, scotch card on your jeans. So you waterproof <laughs> your jeans. That's what yes. people were doing in the 90s. That's right. That's the last piece. I was thinking, I'm like, this is close, but it's not exactly it. Exactly. Oh my God. Jersey over jacket with waterproof jeans. Hero. <laughs> All right. Wow, next so cool. I'll post a picture. But let me just say, he wore Vancouver Canucks. I would prefer him to wear a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, but my husband is from Vancouver and the Canucks are doing very, very well this season. So I, I just, I feel like I need to make that disclaimer. But anyways, we digress. Amer yes. is the IPO today and that's the parent company of Arteryx and a few other buzzy hot brands. And we wanted to use this as an excuse to talk about the IPO market. And um, it's alive. Is it a lively, rejuvenated <laughs> IPO market? Not exactly. Um, but it is open for like a narrow class. It's open for a lot of companies, but a very narrow class of companies actually wants to go public now. So today was, you know, one of these relatively bigger IPOs, Amher Sports made its debut, but it was again disappointing, the continuation of a trend that we've seen since last fall when we started to see companies finally tap public markets after like an 18-month drought. There wasn't a lot of enthusiasm. It priced below its range. It hasn't been doing well. It's going to close in a few hours. And it sort of sets up this divide in IPOs. The ones that we're going to get this year aren't like the big disruptive world-changing IPOs like Uber, Airbnb, et cetera, the ones that everyone gets really, really excited for. Right. Yeah. The IPO market, the IPO pipeline is picking up, right? There are some coming to market in the in the last quarter of last year and in 2024. But in this very uh, specific segment or sort of class of startups, in other words, you know, what are the companies that we're going to get that are going to come public? It's more average industry players versus exciting, you know, industry leaders that are that are on a larger scale. I was um, being a big nerd 
not long ago on TV talking to our colleague, Brian Sullivan, saying every IPO to me is exciting because, you know, I operate in the world of Silicon Valley and I just <laughs> love when companies go public and we get to hear, we get to see actual financial numbers instead of just stories. Um, but like, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. These are industry players, not necessarily industry leaders. So let's go through the candidates this year or the likely ones, right? Anything could happen, but these right. are the ones that, you know, are, are, are more likely than not to go out. You've got Reddit. Skims, Plaid, Discord, Chime. What do they all have in common? Um, probably like around sub $10 billion valuations. Me saying that is controversial, I realize, because Chime, Plaid have <laughs> been last valued above that. But if you are kind of marking it to the public markets, they're likely a lot lower than they're Yeah, last. anywhere. You know, I mean, you could just say anywhere from maybe five to 20 billion, you know, and it's still not. Yeah. Yeah, it's still not yeah. in the category of, you know, when you're talking about the size of like Apple and Microsoft and the big, you know, how far big tech has come, like these are these are small companies. Or you look at even, you know, like the big blockbuster IPOs of 2021, right? When we were in bubble territory, you had 100 billion IPOs of like DoorDash and Airbnb. Um, but anyways, these are, they may be solid businesses. We'll know when we get those prospectuses, but they're decidedly less buzzy and perhaps less exciting for investors. Like they're not like the Airbnbs or the Ubers or et cetera, that are household names that investors are kind of clamoring over themselves to get a piece of because they've changed the way we do things. They've changed habits. Sheehan though, and I wouldn't, even though we, it's a candidate for this year, I'd put it in a different category because it's more interesting. It is this kind of new, I don't know if it's an industry leader, right? Not necessarily in fast fashion. But it's fashion, definitely but it's like a sort of new, new disruptive category of this like low cost uh, Chinese uh, uh, fashion e-commerce company. Big if, if it gets yeah, there. Bloomberg if. reported last week that investors are trying to sell shares in private market deals as those IPO prospects dim. We've talked about having to get approval and handing over, you know, certain data to the Chinese regulator. So we'll see. But let's talk yeah. about the other side. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and what you just talked about, you know, like skims, you know, the, the opportunity to see Kim Kardashian take a company public or Reddit and Discord, you know, these are uh, consumer facing businesses that people know. The point isn't that they're not sort of, um, you know, exciting in their own regard. But, you know, Reddit is not on the scale of like a Facebook or, uh, you know, or even, you know, Instagram or Google. Right. It's just mm -hmm. it's just not. Um, and on the other side, there are the IPOs that Wall Street wants, but are unlikely to actually get this year, the 40, 50, $100 billion household names. And I'm just going to reel off a couple like SpaceX, right? Or mm -hmm. ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, or longtime Silicon Valley darlings like Stripe, right? We've been waiting for a Stripe mm -hmm. IPO for you know a decade. Databricks is another one. And these are startups that continue to raise money in the private markets because they can, right? Because they have the size that they don't need the access to public markets, allowing them to push out, you know, these IPOs if they ever IPO. Right. Because as excited as public investors may be about these names, private investors are also <laughs> excited about them. And, you know, for these companies, there is a case to be made, which we'll talk about in a moment for staying private. But the point is that there's this crop of names that are still private that are likely, or they may even need to tap public markets this year, or they may in some way have an interest like a skims to go public, right? Higher profile versus the ones that have no interest like SpaceX, right? You've got Elon Musk talking on 
X, formerly Twitter, about wanting to have more ownership over his already public companies like Tesla and wanting to build a new AI company with more control. So why would he list SpaceX on the public markets when he's, you know, been tweeting and talking about having more control of his companies? When you go public, a key part of that is giving up equity to public market investors. You can debate how much or how little. And that's also been an interesting trend of the last few tech IPOs we've gotten in the last six months is very, very small floats. There is sort of this idea that they don't want to give up a ton of control. Yeah. I mean, and and Amer, the one that we talked about today, it's the second large IPO this month to price below its target range. And the listings of the last six months, they've been sort of meh, right? Like Instacart, Clavio, and Birkenstock, which are sort of the household names that have gone public in the last six months, all trading below or just, you know, barely above their IPO prices. And D, I would add that you and I have done a story about this recently, but if you even go back to the the IPO class of the last, you know, five to seven years, including Uber, you know, these have not been stratospheric performance, you know, basically since the IPOs of the early 2010s, Mm -hmm. right? Part, Part of the reason for that is because they're waiting longer to go public. So in some cases, their best growth days, certainly you can see that um, in the case of Instacart, for example, its best growth days were the pandemic. They've had that behind them. So what are you getting? You're getting a more mature company. And sometimes because the private markets have been so flush with cash, their valuation has already been bid up. So that that was the topic of one of our Tech Check weeklies. Check it out. We we looked into whether IPOs at the time of the IPOs are good investments. And the data decidedly says no, in most cases. Yeah. I mean, the title um, sort of says it said it itself. The title was beware the blockbuster IPO because they are not go. good investments. There we go. So let's even even if you just take the last six months, not a ringing endorsement to go public for no. the top tier, most highly valued startups. Um, there's also this disconnect between bankers and founders that I love sort of where I sit between like Wall Street and Silicon Valley as CNBC. Mark, we get to talk to the bankers and listen to Wall Street on one side, but then we also get to hear a different perspective from founders. And this is one topic (laughs) where they are far apart. Bankers will tell you that the markets are wide open and they're ready to welcome new listings, of course, right? We've got like the indexes hitting new highs. We've got tech you know, back on top, we've got the magnificent seven. If you have any kind of AI proposition, the market's ready to welcome you with open arms. Um, but you know, for most, the bankers will also say you just need to be realistic about valuations. But for founders that can raise money in private markets, particularly ones that can raise at flat or at higher valuations, um, it's not that interesting. And I often hear that it's more appealing to stay private. They can push off that endless quarterly reporting cycle they can sort of avoid that greater scrutiny and they can build for the longer term. So they're also less willing to take a valuation hit in the public and wait it out because they can. Yeah. Sam Lesson, who's a VC uh, who comes on CNBC sometimes, and I think he has interesting commentary. He used to work at, at Facebook. He's talked about how it's sort of a vicious cycle now that the weakest companies are the ones that go public and the strongest companies uh, stay private. And that now it's become sort of a posturing thing that it's like a, it's a vicious cycle, that it's a sign of weakness sort of when you need to go, when you need to go public. Um, he had this quote that was, uh, the risk I see in private late stage funds IPOing and spacking trash and hoarding the best companies, which is something I'm structurally really concerned about for the vibrancy of capitalism. And that points to the fact that it's not just founders who are holding back from the, the public markets, right? It's VCs who 
tell the founders, you know, don't go public. We'll just keep funding you for as long as you want. And we'll keep writing well, checks to series no, or, E, F, G. Important point, or they won't keep funding the companies. They will sell right. their shares to another VC who's willing to pay right. more for them. So in that way, they get to cash out because they're always looking for an exit, right? Um, but you want an exit where you're going to get the higher price. And for the last few years, you've gotten a higher price in the private markets than you have the public markets. Totally agree with Sam Lesson, though. This is bad for capitalism. It's bad for the ordinary investor who doesn't have access to these companies when they are unicorns or when they're in the startup phase. So again, you get, like we talked about, you get companies that are more mature that maybe their best growth days are behind them and may not be good investments on their IPOs. Can I bring up another point, which is yeah. you just brought up that, right, the VCs uh, want the exit. I saw this point that uh, Chamath Palihapitiya made, but um, if you can't get a good exit, right, the next best thing is making money on your fees, right? So if you're Andreessen Horowitz, right, and you're uh, and and you know historically the way you've made money on is on these you know 10x or 100x returns on invested capital because you invest in you know whatever Facebook and it and it you know has blockbuster growth, but if you know that structurally you're not going to get that exit, how do you make money? You make money on fees, right? You make money on the 2% or 1.5% that you charge to you know, collect uh, funds from, from, uh, from LPs and deploy it. And so th the, the reason why that came up is he was asked, why is Andreessen investing in Adam Newman and in Adam Newman's new company, right? The founder of WeWork. Mm -hmm. and, and his answer was, they're not investing in Adam Newman because of any, it's not like a mystery. They want to deploy capital so they can raise a new fund so that they can manage more money and get paid more fees. What a business. They also, I think, I think it was them trying to differentiate themselves from the rest of the VC world and saying, hey, we support founders, true and true. A founder, like, you know, may have failed once, but that's the Silicon Valley way. You can fail, you get back up. And it was their way of saying that when I think there's others like a benchmark, right, that have kind of <laughs> not been seen as quite so friendly, friend, founder friendly. Um, Andreessen can kind of separate itself, but that's a, such a great point. The fee yeah. structure of VC structure. funds could be a whole book. And so, if you're if you're a if you're a if you're a founder and you're getting this advice from a VC, like stay private, stay private, stay private. Maybe you think yeah. in your head, hey, what's the incentive that the VC has for me to stay private? Well, if I stay private, then they keep getting to pour money. In, into my company and it allows them to keep raising new funds and you know it sort of keeps their well, business well, alive without a without got, a monster return over the last two years you've had the um 800 pound gorillas in the room softbank and tiger global who come in at the late stage and are willing to pay pay huge valuations um anyways there, there's so many things that go into an ipo capital markets etc so um I, i'm not holding my breath that this year is going to be the most exciting year um, but we'll see. I mean, like I am interested to see a skims go public. I'm excited to see a Reddit for better or for worse. This has been a private company forever. So we'll sure. see how markets react. And like I said, love IPS because we get a new company to track new financials and that's great. Um, one more quick note, generative AI IPS, just in case you're wondering, uh, don't hold your breath. These are like the least <laughs> likely category of companies to go. Right. I don't see days. I don't see OpenAI making its NYSE debut anytime soon. 
exactly. Um, because they've got VC money, but the VC money is like pennies to them. It doesn't even matter. They've got mega cap money, right? <laughs> billions and billions of dollars. Seven Microsoft. billion dollars or whatever from, yeah. <laughs> You know, the, it's Microsoft, it's Amazon, it's Alphabet, just pouring into these companies because they themselves have tens of billions of dollars on their balance sheets. And we've talked about this virtuous cycle. Um, catch, Take a look at our Tech Check Weekly called Mega Caps, Mega Deals to see why it makes so much sense for them to invest in these companies, even if they never see sort of a return on that valuation in terms of the company being worth more. It just goes right. in in other goes ways. in, comes right back out. Exactly. Yeah. Or it goes um, out and it right, comes right back in. So we'll continue to cover those companies and try and get a hold of their financials, well, and, try to read the tea leaves. But Speaking of yeah. the mega caps, we've got uh, Meta, Apple, and Amazon earnings tonight. And you are going to be yes. all over those. And we will talk about those tomorrow, I'm sure. We certainly will. So um, have a great day and rest up, Mark, because we'll be talking about those tomorrow. <laughs> You might not think that a few simple words could make you crave McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. But if you listen closely to the sound of me saying McGriddles, McMuffin, you might be wrong. Ba -ba -ba -ba.